Good morning. Welcome to Hope Community Church. Those of you who are here and are on the way, and those of you who are joining us virtually, Merry Christmas. Um, We are finishing up a series where we're looking at the first Christmas guests. Next week, we'll start a new series called Lost in Translation. We'll look at some words that have changed in meaning over time and understanding the different meanings of the words that are included in the Bible help us to tack down exactly what some biblical passages say. It'd be a really interesting series. But today we're finishing up on a um, series that we began. We have been looking at the shepherds and Simeon and Anna, and today we'll look at the Magi in terms of understanding What these first Christmas guests, the fact that they're included, what does that mean? And how they see Jesus, how does that help us to see Jesus too? And before we begin, let me pray for us. Father, thank you for sending your son into the world to save the world. You chose individuals who would welcome him shepherds and very humble people, Simeon and Anna and Magi. And as we look this morning, I pray that we'd understand why you included them in your welcoming committee. In Jesus' name, amen. I read from Matthew chapter 2. Here's what it says. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, During the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. So what we learn, Jesus was born during the reign of King Herod the Great. Herod died in 4 B.C., So Jesus had to have been born sometime before 4 BC, probably sometime between 7 and 4 BC. The time is divided into BC and AD. And so we might wonder why, if it's before Christ, and AD means Anno Domini in the year of the Lord, why wasn't Jesus born on zero? You know, that kind of makes sense. What ended up happening, these, when they constructed the calendar in the 6th century, they kind of got it wrong and when it went from a Roman to a Christian calendar. They, but at any rate, so that kind of helps us to locate when Jesus was born. And as we've said before, uh, we celebrate his birth on December 25th, but the probability is he wasn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't born then. He most likely was born in the spring when shepherds would have been watching their flocks by night because lambs might have been born and that's why they had to give extra oversight. And we hear about these magi. Magi, we think of them as kings, like there's three of them. Actually, they weren't kings. They were astrologers slash priests from Persia, east of where Jesus was born, east probably about a month's journey. Uh, They played, these magi, they played both political and religious roles, and they were figures of some prominence in their land. They were pretty important people. They were from the region where Israel went into captivity. 
In Israel's history, they divided in half after King David and King Solomon. And when they did that, uh, the southern kingdom was called Judah and the northern kingdom was called Israel. Israel went into captivity to the Assyrians in the 8th century BC. And about 150 years later, in the 6th century BC, the southern kingdom of Judah went into captivity. And um, these astrologers were from the region, I think, We don't know exactly, but it seems these astrologers, these magi, were from the region where the southern kingdom of Judah went into captivity in the 6th century BC. Uh, Before we are led by these wise men to Babylon, to Bethlehem, let's pause to allow them to clear up something that can be kind of confusing in the Bible. I'm going to read from the book of 2 Samuel and the book of First Chronicles. It's going to describe the same event, but you're going to hear a very different interpretation of why the event occurred first. Here is what it says in Second Samuel 24, verse 1. It says, again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he incited David against them saying, go and take a census of Israel and Judah. So here's what it says. David, it was the king at this time. And what he did, he decided to go take a census of the fighting men in Israel, which is something that he wasn't supposed to do. He was supposed to trust that God was going to take care at any rate. It indicates the anger of the Lord burned against Israel and he incited David to do this. Now, That's what it says in 2 Samuel. And I'm going to read about the same event from 1 Chronicles and see if you can find a difference. It's not very hard. Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census of Israel. In 2 Samuel, God is held responsible. And in 1 Chronicles, Satan is held responsible. And how can the wise men help us? kind of clear up this confusion? Uh, They can't. Here's the deal. Israel went into captivity, probably into the region where these magi were born. Second Samuel was written before they went into captivity. Second Samuel was written first. That's the one that said God kind of was responsible. First Chronicles was written after they were in captivity for 70 years. They went into captivity holding God responsible. They came out of captivity holding Satan responsible. What changed? How they can't, they don't both seem to be, what's the problem? Persian religion, that helps us a little bit, the kind of religious beliefs these magi would have had. They were dualistic. And here's what dualistic means. They were dualistic in that they believed in a God, but a God who had an adversary that contended with him. Now, the God was more powerful, but the adversary was pretty powerful. And that's what Persian religion was like, that God had a battle with this other kind of God. And that's what dualism teaches. While they were in captivity, it seems that Persian religion rubbed off on Judaism. They went in believing that God is ultimately responsible, came out believing that, well, Satan did it. Um, 
Before captivity, it describes what happens in the book of Job. Here's what it says. Angels came to present themselves before the Lord. And it says, Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming around the earth and going back and forth in it. Then they end up having a discussion. He says, have you seen Job? And Job's very righteous. Skin for skin, Satan replied, a man will give all that he has for his own life, but stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well, then. He is in your hands, but you must spare his life. So in this place earlier, before they went into captivity, Satan is on a leash, and God holds the leash. Satan wants to do something to Job. And God decides, okay, you can do that. Um, The Bible talks about Satan and the devil. And actually, Satan is the Hebrew word, and devil is the Greek word. They, They refer to the same being. When they come out of captivity, it's almost as if Satan has become unleashed, that he is not believed to be as controlled by God as he, they used to think he was before they got to Persia, where they kind of came under this dualistic influence. Um, this was especially true of some of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the predominant religious leaders in Jesus' time, and they actually got called Persianizers. They really believed in all this angels and Satan, the devil, and and how they are really involved in things. Um, So we might think, well, what's true? Is, Is God control, and does he have Satan on a leash? Or is Satan free to roam around and kind of to mess with God's design. What was Jesus' view? Here's what Jesus said when he was here. He talks to Peter. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. In Jesus' thinking, Satan is once again on a leash. Okay, we're just taking a little stopover. So what does this tell us? To focus on Satan as being God's equal in any sense, is kind of to be more in line with Persian religion than biblical religion. In the Bible, God is in control. He is the one who is responsible for everything. And he is not challenged. Now, he, for some reason, he allows some activity, but he definitely is in control of things. At any rate, let's get back to the wise men. And the star they followed to Jerusalem and then to Bethlehem. We don't exactly know precisely where they were from. People say might have taken the trip from where they lived to Bethlehem. Could have been two years. Might have been, but I think if they were from Persia, a trip from Persia would take about a month. If you were traveling by night because you were following a star, it might take a little bit longer than that. Um, how the Magi originally understood that the star signaled the birth of the Messiah, we really don't know. Again, there had been Jewish individuals who were there, and that was the time when Daniel was in the lion's den. That happens when they were in captivity 
to Persia. And when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that story about how they went into the fiery furnace, and there was one there, all that happened when the southern kingdom went into captivity to this to this place. So they would have known about God because the Jews would have lived there for 70 years. As far as the identity of the star that they followed, there's been different explanations. How many of you got to see the star this past Monday? You got to see it? Yeah. Um, one of the main theories is that it was the kind of event that occurred this Monday night, when Saturn and Jupiter kind of become aligned. That's what happened. Astronomers, they they know this. I'm not exactly sure how. The conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter took place in May to July, and again in September, we know in 7 BC. Again, we don't know exactly, but at any rate, that might have been part of the event, but we'll look at that in just a minute. It says, when King Herod heard this, He was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. At that time, a shepherd was a way to refer to a king. A good king was referred to as a shepherd. And the reason why, because a good king not only enacts laws, but cares for the people and is compassionate toward them. And what it describes, the king that would come, Jesus, that he would be the king of the world, but he would be a compassionate king. He would be one who cares for his subject. He wouldn't rule them harshly and brutally, as some leaders do. He would be very compassionate. Uh, And what we we see is that um, Herod was a king. He was the king who was in charge when Jesus was born in Israel. He ruled from 37 to 4 B.C., Herod's kingship is a political office. He was put in place, and it wasn't something that he was born into. Uh, He went to great lengths to guard against any potential rivals. As he grew older, he became increasingly paranoid by threats against his throne. He had numerous sons, wives, and others close to him, and he had them put to death because his son and wives and relatives. He put them to death because he was afraid that they were going to take over his throne. He was very paranoid that way, especially as he got older. What happened to Bethlehem then, when he tried to look for the child and couldn't find it, and ended up killing every child under two, that was kind of what he was like. He was very threatened. What we hear in verse 7, Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. By the time Herod secretly summons the Magi, he had already concocted a plan to kill Jesus. He asks them to search carefully for the child and report his whereabouts. And Herod said, so that I can go and worship him too, which is not what he wanted to do. He sends him off to Bethlehem. Bethlehem was about five miles 
from Jerusalem. And if the Magi report back to him, as he has requested, he will know exactly where the child is and what he will do. He won't go to worship him. He will go to kill him. And here's what happens in Matthew 12, Matthew 2, verse 9. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. After learning from the king that they should go to Bethlehem, the Magi set out on a journey. And here's where um, the event that we saw this past Monday, it doesn't quite fit what happened to them. Because I'm not sure about you, I saw the star. I didn't see it move. But this, what happened to them, this star apparently actually moved. It, it went and moved until it appeared over the place where Jesus was born. So it wasn't just an astral event. It was kind of a miraculous event. It was a supernatural event that occurred. Um, led by the star, the Magi arrive at the house where Jesus resides. We don't know how long after Jesus' birth, but it seems that he's not in the manger anymore. They probably moved to a house in Bethlehem. They say that it could have been about a couple years after his birth when the Magi show up. You know, we end up seeing the nativity and the Magi are there and, and the animals and it's in the stables. It probably didn't happen at the same time. The shepherds were there with them. They get to see Jesus when he was born in the manger, and then he goes to be dedicated, and Simeon and Anna see him. Then they stay in a house in Bethlehem, and then the Magi come sometime later. Uh, they, had, they were living in a house. They no longer were in their temporary uh, shelter. The wise men come to worship Jesus, and after doing so, they open their treasures and give Jesus gifts appropriate for a king. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Um, before they report back to Herod about that they had found the child, they end up being warned in a dream the same way Joseph was. And they end up going back to their home, making their journey back home, and they go by a different route so they don't have to go by Jerusalem. And Herod would then want to know what they had found. Okay, so that's kind of the story. What do we learn from the Magi? Um, the important point is that God brought the birth of this king that he had sent, this king of Israel, but he wasn't just to be the king of Israel. He had these Gentiles. Again, at that time, to a Jew, the world was made up of Jews and non-Jews who were called Gentiles. Um, these Gentiles were selected by God to be one of the ones who welcomed Jesus into the world because fortunately for us, God's purpose in sending Jesus was not just to save the nation of Israel. It was to save the whole world, not just Jews, but Gentiles. And so in addition to the shepherds who were Jewish and Anna who is Jewish and Simeon who is Jewish, these magi who are Gentiles, they are part of the welcoming committee as well, which is 
It's good news for us. It's God's way of announcing that Jesus' birth would have worldwide impact. The Messiah would come through Israel as a gift, but the gift wasn't just to that nation. It was to all the nations of the world. And this is a fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham, which he says that Abraham, through to and through Abraham and his children, every nation on the world would be blessed. So here's what we find. Let's be close. There was a king who was opposed to Jesus' birth, who tried to get him killed, wasn't able to do so. These Gentile wise men, they're the ones who ended up connecting with him, and they were overwhelmed. They were not frustrated or intimidated by this king. They, they loved the fact that he was coming. And as you've seen on the bumper stickers of the cars, wise men still seek him. We pray for us. Father, thank you for um, Jesus coming to the earth. You, come, you sent him to offer the new covenant, not just to Israel, but to the world, to us. A covenant where you put your law in our heart and where your children and you're our father, where you are merciful to our unrighteousnesses and remember our sins no more. Uh, You are a compassionate, loving God and King. And Father, thank you for sending Jesus and that you did so, so that we could have him as our King and leader and Savior. Thanks for that. In Jesus' name, amen.